Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we'll start reading together at verse 36. Because God's word is holy and infallible and sharper than any two-edged sword, it is that very word that makes us as a living sacrifice before our Lord. For that reason, let's give honor to both the Lord and to his word by standing as we begin reading at verse 36. Luke seven thirty-six. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And when Jesus answered him, saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will he love, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who has he whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, You see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray together. Our beloved Father, help us, we pray, to love you much and to realize and to believe that you have forgiven us much, that we would in turn live a life of thankful, grateful obedience unto you. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you who've ever had credit card debt 
college loan debt, car loan debt, or maybe a, a, a mortgage on your home, maybe you never thought of your debts as something, as an illustration for the matter of sin. Well, Jesus here in this text equates debt, financial debt, with a debt of sin. We'll, we'll look at a little bit more of that as we look more in today's text. This passage immediately follows Jesus uh, rebuking the Pharisees and lawyers for re- refusing to go and to receive the baptism of John and also refusing the teaching of Jesus himself. Uh, look back at chapter 7, verse 33. He says there in uh, 733, For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated, or it's demonstrated or shown, by all her children. So Jesus used wisdom, used logic to show the extremes and the inability to please what we would call these nitpicky, unjust, unfair, religious grumblers. You couldn't please them. John wouldn't touch alcohol, wouldn't, would eat only locusts and wild honey. Oh, he's, he's mad. He's got a demon. Jesus drinks and eats bread with his, with his disciples. A glutton and a wine-bibber. What in the world would they expect of a man of God? How could you please such people? And the answer was, you couldn't. But in today's text, there's a man, um, we'll find out later, he's called Simon uh, the Pharisee, but he's also otherwise called Simon the leper. And this man invites Jesus into into his home for a meal because perhaps he's heard something that Jesus said and he's inviting him in. And we'll see of what a little bit of what Jesus says to him and what happens. Um, Before we go into the main points, the main focus today is that we are to realize and to live our lives that we have been forgiven much. Those who profess Christ, you have been forgiven much, therefore you should or you ought to love much. We'll notice this in three main points. The Pharisees' critique the debtor's parable, and then secondly, the Christian's call to love. So let's look at this first main point, the Pharisees' critique. Look at verses 36 and following. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, She brought an alabaster vial of perfume, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet, and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of person this woman is who is touching him that she is a sinner. Now, was it just for the Pharisee to say this woman was known to be a sinner? Yes. 
because even Luke, in writing this gospel account, says that she was a sinner, verse 37. And the Pharisee says that she was a sinner as well, in verse 39. She was notorious in the way that she lived and maybe was even a prostitute at times. Now, if you compare the gospel accounts, a similar account of this is in John's gospel, and it, it seems to say or suggest that this is Mary Magdalene. Now, the problem is that this Pharisee maybe thought that by having a sinner touch you, you could get contaminated of some, in some way. But ultimately, the problem was that the Pharisee saw this woman as a sinner, but he didn't see himself as much of a sinner, if at all. If you were a Pharisee, and this man was uh, Simon the Pharisee, he followed a very strict code of life according to the ceremonial law and to the moral law. Uh, one example of some of these, these writings is that if you had um, something that you had to tie up and take outside, maybe you were going to take out the garbage, you couldn't tie a certain knot because that would be work on the Sabbath. Maybe you could tie an overhand knot, but you couldn't tie a bow knot because that would be too much work on the Sabbath. That's the kind of legalistic stuff that they studied, those strange practices, because we want to be perfect in God's sight. And that's what he, he probably thought. He thought he was acceptable in God's sight. But before we're too harsh on this man, he did invite Jesus to sit at his table after all. Was he intrigued by Jesus? We don't know. Um, was he desiring to be cleansed by Jesus? Uh, both Matthew 26 and Mark 14 sell, say that this account was held in the home of Simon the leper. So he was Simon the leper Pharisee. Maybe Jesus did cleanse him at a later time. We don't know for sure. But he was inviting Jesus into his home because he wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. He was intrigued or maybe moved by the teaching of Jesus. So this woman then buys this expensive, or maybe she inherited it, we don't know, but she has this expensive vial of perfume. And it says it's in a vial of alabaster stone. Alabaster stone was a stone that was translucent. I think it's a little bit easier to carve than, than uh, marble. But if you have alabaster that's thin enough, you can actually look at it and see through it when you bring it up to the light. Um, I was looking at some pictures of churches in Spain, and they have some windows made of alabaster. They, they took thin slices of alabaster, and they put it in the window pane. So it was like opaque windows made out of alabaster. And alabaster was usually white or a little, with a little cream color to it, or sometimes you can get blue tints to it, but that's pretty rare. So, but the vial was not as expensive as what was contained in the vial, namely this costly perfume. Notice what this woman was doing when she was moved by great emotion because of her gratitude. Verse 38. She was weeping. And as she was weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now Simon, the Pharisee, he knew of this woman's reputation and he said, this isn't right. What's going on here? It doesn't look right. Look at this. This is a vile woman and this is a holy man. 
he's a prophet. If he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this was, and he would not let this woman touch him, touch him at all, even his feet. Um, look at what he critiqued in his mind, though. He didn't say this stuff outwardly, but he said this in his mind. Verse 39. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, we're not going to turn there, but in a prior gospel message uh, in Luke 5 uh, it's in your outline here um, when they let the paralytic man through the roof they tore open a hole in the roof and they let the paralytic man on a stretcher down through the roof and they let him down and Jesus said son your sins are forgiven you your faith has made you well some looked at Jesus and they said this the scribes and Pharisees they began to reason in their minds, Who is this man who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So both in Luke 5 and in Luke 7, Jesus in both cases knows the reasonings of both parties. In Luke 5 it says, He was aware of their reasonings when they reasoned these things in their mind. And here Simon is reasoning things in his mind Jesus, being aware of what's going on in the mind of this man, then gives a response by giving a fitting, a accordingly a good rebuke using the parable. Jesus is able to read the minds of individuals in this text and others because he is the eternal Son of God who put on flesh, and God is able to do that sort of thing. But let's look at this fitting parable here, the debtor's parable he gives in response to the thoughts of Simon. Uh, Verses 40 through 43. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. There are parables that Jesus has to help his disciples interpret, but this is a parable with a very obvious answer. Imagine someone forgave you of your credit card debt. Maybe you went out and bought some clothes, a few pairs of pants, some shirts, and other things. And you, someone forgave you the credit card debt, and you didn't have to pay that back. You would be very thankful to them. Now imagine someone else pays off your entire home that you've been paying off for years, and you still have to pay off for many more years. And then all of a sudden, you have no more mortgage to pay because you're you're free of that massive debt, which one would you appreciate more? I think you would appreciate the one who paid off your house rather than paid off your pants and shirts and shoes. But that's the case here. It's a very obvious answer. And then Simon gives the right answer. He says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more would be the one who loves more. And Jesus 
here in this parable, what he's doing is he, he's equating a financial debt with a debt of sin. It's not the only place in the Bible that does this. Paul does this in Romans 6. It's in your outline there. It says, uh, Paul wrote this, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, because of our sins, we accrue, we acquire a debt and that debt is a debt that can only be paid by our death and by our suffering in hell forever that includes not just our actual sin but even that sinful nature that we're born with leads us to have a debt of sin that could only be paid again by death in the day that you sin you shall die was told to adam and eve so we because of our sins we suffer death in this life but also those who do not have Jesus suffer eternal death and damnation. The good news of the gospel is that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God laid the debt on his son for those who put their faith in him. Those who trust in him and not in, them, in themselves will be forgiven the debt of all their sins, past sins, present sins, future sins and Jesus did that on his death upon the cross getting going on in today's text Jesus goes on to explain this parable by comparing he's comparing this notorious woman with Simon the Pharisee look at verses uh, 44 through 46 turning toward the woman he said to Simon do you see this woman I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Now there was a, a custom, if you were a good host in a Jewish household, and as a Pharisee, he would have been able to probably afford a servant to do this. But if you were a good host, you would provide water and towels to a guest so that before they sat down to have a meal, that they could wash their feet and enjoy the meal. Because honestly, I don't know about you, but I think I would enjoy a meal better without sand and grit between my toes. I'd like to wash my feet first, you know, because, you know, these people didn't wear socks back then. They would walk around with sandals and you got all kind of things in your, on, on, on your feet and stuff like that. So you'd have to wash. The Pharisee didn't do this. But the woman made up for his lack. She wet the feet of Jesus with tears. Instead of wiping them with a towel, she wipes them with her hair and cleans the feet of Jesus. It was also sometimes a custom that people in this culture would give a holy kiss they would call it they would kiss a man on the cheek um, you see this sometimes in I think maybe some Greek I, I know it's in uh, Eritrean culture there was some people in Eritrea that you'd greet a brother you'd give him a kiss on the cheek but he didn't kiss Jesus because he didn't really have that much affection maybe for him but she kissed his feet she made up for his lack of affection Simon, the Pharisee, did not anoint the head of Jesus with oil, 
which was a special custom as well. But this thankful and repentant woman anointed the feet of Jesus with perfume. Again, she, ma- she makes up for his lack of loving hospitality. Jesus concluded the parable by comparing this repentant, forgiven sinner with the debtor who owed the 500 denarii. Look at verse 47. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus knew this woman's heart, her heart of faith, her sincere faith. He, he also knew the heart of Simon. But because he knew this woman's heart, this is why Jesus could say, Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Later on, he says, Her faith made her, her faith has saved her. Now, some at the table were very offended. And they said, Who is this man who even forgives sins? Or maybe some of the actual apostles questioned if they were there with him. They questioned Jesus, who is this man who they say claims to be able to forgive sins? This is the same question that comes up when Jesus heals the paralytic. Who is this man who forgives sin? This is only the prerogative of God alone. Only God can forgive sins. I tell you this, when they ask this question, we know the answer. Only God himself can forgive sins. Jesus is God. Not only this passage, but the wealth of other Old Testament and New Testament passages that we find give evidence that Jesus Christ is not just a man. He's God incarnate, God who took on flesh. He's the eternal Son of God who became a man. He added to himself a human nature Why can God, Jesus, as God, forgive sins? Because he is God. Now, look at this, again, this humble example of this woman. It teaches that you should do likewise. That leads us to our third point, the Christian's call to love. In other words, you have been forgiven much, you ought to love much. Jesus gave a conclusion of this parable. We as Christians are to apply to our lives. If you have believed that Jesus has died for you on the cross, I would say if you are a believer, your sins cannot be counted. Verse 47 should apply to you and does apply to you if you are a believer. Your sins, which are many, have been forgiven. There's not one of us who, who says, oh, well, I, was, I wasn't forgiven that much sin. Can anybody say that? Oh, I wasn't really forgiven that much sin. I was a good person. If you say that, you don't really understand the gospel. Jesus gave Simon the Pharisee a logical argument here in accordance to the Pharisee's perspective. This was a notoriously sinful woman here, at the feet of Jesus, and she knew that she needed to be forgiven. She knew that she had an immense debt of sin, 
And when she believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that her sins were forgiven, she loved him much. She showed great gratitude, emotional outpouring of gratitude because what Jesus had done for her. But on the other hand, the self-righteous Pharisee may have not seen his need of forgiveness at all. He might not have been forgiven in the first place. If he did come to saving faith later in life, or maybe even at this episode, I would guarantee you that the Pharisee, if he came to saving faith, would realize that he was forgiven much, not just little, he was forgiven much. An example of this is Paul the Apostle. A Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews, it said in Galatians, that of the righteousness which is by the law, he was found blameless. So was Paul forgiven little because he was an upright Pharisee? No. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Brothers and sisters, if Paul the Apostle can say that of himself, one of the most godly men who has ever lived, we can say that of ourselves as well. God came to save sinners of which we are foremost of all. This woman had been forgiven, and then she loved much, and she desired to show much gratitude toward Jesus. If you believe that you have been forgiven through Christ, maybe now you have a greater desire to show your love unto God in gratitude. How do you do this? Can you grab the feet of Jesus and kiss him? You can't really grab the feet of the person of Jesus because he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. His body is in heaven. But there's something you can do. If you love Jesus and you are grateful for what Jesus has done for you, you can love his body here on earth, his church. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are, who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invited you in or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to the least one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, 
you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love him, you will keep my commandments. Can any of us do this perfectly? No. But if you love him, you will, you will endeavor after it. You want to show your love to, to the Lord Jesus for what he's done for you by hating what he hates, by loving what he loves. And by so doing, you will grow in holiness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we have the Pharisees' critique. It wasn't just a critique of this woman. It was a critique of Jesus, saying that Jesus was not a true prophet after all. And Jesus knows the mind of Simon and gives this beautiful debtor's parable. And every one of us would confess that we are the ones who have been forgiven the great debt, a great debt of sin. Also, we have Christ's call to love. Since you, since you have been forgiven a great debt, you are called to love much because you have been forgiven much. Maybe we don't love the stranger as we ought. Maybe we don't love the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, and the poor, and those who are in prison for Christ's sake. Maybe we don't love them as we ought at times because we don't, we don't really realize how much we are forgiven. Let's pray to God that he would enable us to love much, having faith to understand that we have been forgiven much. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, thank you for this, your word. Forgive us of our sins. Help us, we pray, to love much realizing that you have forgiven us a great and immense debt of sin. Help us to love those who are in need. Help us to love one another as you have loved us, to show forth our gratitude for you. Thank you, O Lord, that you sent your beloved Son, even Jesus our Lord, to suffer and die for our sakes so that we would have eternal life. If there is someone here who does not know and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, we pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would work faith in them through this, your word, and through your Holy Spirit. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. For our hymn of dedication, let's stand and sing 283, Fairest Lord Jesus. 283.